0: The hearings for the confirmation of Justice Amy Coney Barrett to the United States Supreme Court is in its second day, and the Democrats are beginning to prove themselves unfocused, petty, and desperate. They're looking for virtually anything they can come up with to try and prevent this woman from ascending to the Supreme Court, but they're going to be unsuccessful in my restoration. Hello, everyone. My name is Jamie Dury for a national preview online. Please join us. Often, for our national preview online podcasts, you can subscribe by going to the iTunes app store or your podcast app, your native podcast app on um, your iPhone or your iPad. Uh, In the alternative, you can go to podbean.com. That's our hosting service. And if you're in the Google Play Store, what I suggest you do is simply download the free Podbean app, and you can... Subscribe to the podcast that way, and this way you won't miss anything. It's a free subscription, and it's growing, so please join us. and You can also follow us on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash national preview online, and our website as well. I think you'll find it informative to join us on a regular basis. Well, let me say a few things about this confirmation process for Amy Coney Barrett. First of all, she is a brilliant woman she has received a well-qualified rating, or is it highly qualified? I forget which. That's the highest rating that the American Bar Association can give, and they have given it to Judge Amy Coney Barrett. The Senate had no problem confirming her to the Seventh Circuit, and that was not that long ago. It was during President Trump's presidency. So there should be no uh, issue with confirming it to the Supreme Court. What they're really, really scared about with this confirmation is not so much that it's this particular woman. They just don't like the idea that any conservative justice or anyone who isn't extremely left of center isn't going to be replacing Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Because prior to this time, you had a 5-4 conservative majority. And it should have been more, but Justice Roberts has been a rather treasonous sort uh, drifting far away from his conservative roots with his pathetic uh, rulings against the Affordable Care Act, twice rescuing this legislation. But on the solidly conservative side, you have Justice Alito, who's been a real solid block. You have Justice Thomas. You have Justice Gorsuch. You have Justice Kavanaugh. And on the um, liberal side, you have Justice Breyer, Justice Kagan, and you have Justice Sotomayor. Now, Ginsburg made it four liberal justices, and I just named the four conservative ones. Robert has become the sort of swing vote. He sometimes can be conservative, but you can't rely on him. In that way, he's become the Ideal replacement for Justice Kennedy, because Kennedy uh, is the one that did the same sort of thing. So, with the addition of Coney Barrett, you would have five reliably conservative voices on the court. So, even if Roberts defected, the 5 4 majority would carry the day. Uh, And if Roberts joins in, it would be even more so. The biggest danger now, I would say, to the preservation of the conservative majority on the court is Justice Thomas, because he is getting up there in age. And I would hope that if, Justice, that if President Trump wins re-election, that Justice Thomas might consider retiring before his second term is up so that he could be replaced by a younger man. I, not that I have any, any problem with Justice Thomas. I think he's a fine man. Uh, he's been an excellent jurist. But I don't think we want to run into the problems that we have now as a re, on the liberal side as a result of Ginsburg. Overstaying, Justice Ginsburg was not in the best of health. And if she was really that concerned uh, about the legacy of the court and, and its future as a liberal deliberative body, then she shouldn't have stayed to the very, very end and leaving deathbed, supposed deathbed request that she be replaced by the next president. She should have told President Obama well before the end of his term, Mr. President, I'm no longer in the best of health. I can't adequately discharge my duties. No one knows what the future holds. I would rather retire now, confident in your ability to replace me with an appropriate justice. Could have done that. Could have done that. We wouldn't have any of these problems. Instead, the left is relying on this specious argument that, um, well, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. The Republicans stopped President Obama from making an appointment that was a lot further away from the election, election but it was in his last year, uh, saying it would be inappropriate that the American people should weigh in, so why isn't it good this time? Well, I'm glad you asked that question, Senator Schumer, Senator Feinstein, and a host of others, Senator Durbin, because I'm going to answer that question for you. Uh, although on the surface it may seem the same situation, it is not. So let me explain. One. One. When President Obama attempted to appoint Merrick Garland to the court, President Obama was in the last year of his second and final term. He was a true lame duck. He wasn't on the ballot for the following year. Hillary Clinton was. So he was a true lame duck. And based on that, the voters should have had some say so. Now, in this election... President Trump is in the final year of his first term, and he is on the ballot, very much on the ballot. And despite what these manipulated poll numbers say, uh, the internals of these polls indicate quite a different situation, with 56% of respondents being asked, uh, responded when being asked, who do you actually think is going to win this election, regardless of who you plan on voting for, 56 responded, Donald Trump. That's because many of them are probably going to vote for Donald Trump and just don't want to admit it when they're polled. And there's a silent majority out there that never seems to be polled because the polling database has been skewed by who the, Democrat, or who the pollsters choose to, to call up when they do these surveys. That's the first thing. Secondly, when President Trump ran in 2016 and was elected, he was elected in no small part on the strength of his representation of who he intended to appoint to the court if he were elected. He published a list of his justices, and he has remained faithful to that list. So the public had a chance to weigh in on President Trump's nominee. They did have a chance to weigh in, and they did weigh in. So we do have the public... Expressing um, their sentiment towards the Supreme Court. And if they're really that displeased, I suspect that they will vote against the president on that basis. But I think that's few and far between. I think the president's support is a lot stronger than people think. I was just out on Long Island this past weekend with my family, going out to the east end where the vineyards are. Um, New York, as you know, is considered a, a very blue state. And I saw a drag the, Trump, drag the interstate for Trump uh, motorcade with several hundred cars in it. That's something I've never seen for any Republican president in New York State. And that seems to be going on every weekend. They did one in Florida with I don't know how many thousands of cars in Miami uh, for Trump. There's something big, very big going on here. So those are the two major reasons. Trump is not a lame duck president. He's in the last year of his first term. He's very much in play for a second term. And he was elected to his first term based on the choices that he put forth uh, as his nominees for the Supreme Court if such opportunities became available to him. And he's remained true to that list. So any representation by the Democrats and the left that the public has not had an adequate opportunity and will not have an adequate opportunity to weigh in on the Supreme Court choice of Amy Coney Barrett unless we wait for the next election is false. Now, there's a few other things that are going on which were extremely ill-timed. And if I were the people in the Senate who were trying to stop Amy Coney Barrett, I would be very, very PO'd at Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi. Now, why is that? I alluded to this on Friday in my broadcast uh, prior to the president appearing on the Rush Limbaugh show for the first two hours, and it was a spectacular performance on his part. And sure enough, Rush commented on it, and a lot of other people have commented on it after I commented on it. Uh, I'm not in any way suggesting that they stole my idea. I, I'm listened to, but I'm not that widely listened to. It's just common sense and great minds think alike. So I think they. Everybody that's made this observation has simply arrived at this uh, conclusion based on their own point of view. As we know, Nancy Pelosi made uh, very, very publicly a statement that uh, the president's recent illness with COVID reminds her of the necessity to have in place a more specific framework for invoking the 25th Amendment to um, question a president's competency, Uh, and she made Additional statements saying that it's not being aimed at President Trump, but at future presidents. Uh, Now, if we're to believe their representations that Biden is so far ahead, then we'd have to believe it's being aimed at Biden. Now, if Trump wins, she said in a subsequent portion of that statement, that of course then it would be in play against President Trump, Uh, they've got zero chance of. implementing that against the president. I think they'd have a revolution on their hands if they did, trying twice to undermine an election. Uh, The president was in great spirits and was fully in command of all his faculties. He went two hours straight on the Rush Limbaugh show never took a break for the bathroom, for anything, uh, and did very, very well. There wasn't even a commercial. So he was on his game. He's in fine shape. Biden, on the other hand, is not. Now, I think everyone on our side, the Republican side, has assumed that Biden was a party to this grand scheme that he only ran because he knew he was the most electable Democrat that they had, that Bernie Sanders and the others would have um, pushed people too far to the left and they wouldn't have voted for him. Even though Bernie Sanders seemed to be the only one that had enthusiasm within the Democrat base. And that the plan was once Biden got in, he would be a puppet president and would resign the office after a year citing health concerns or whatever, and then we'd be stuck with Kamala Harris, a woman who dropped out even before the first vote in a primary was cast because she had zero appeal, and she's the second most liberal senator in the entire United States Senate after Bernie Sanders himself. So the Democrats can't even be honest with you in, in terms of the candidates they're running. They're trying to foist upon you a woman that couldn't get elected if she tried, that people don't want. And I think that Trump can make that argument very, very strongly uh, in the next debate, if it comes off, because he's not going to do a virtual debate, saying, Joe, your own party is seeking to undermine you. So uh, what does it say about you? What does it say about your party? That was a stupid thing. And secondly, if it isn't aimed at Biden, and she really is doing it because she believes Trump is going to win, and she's setting the stage for another way to try and remove him, all she has done is energize the Republican base and the Trump base in his favor. So this was a foolish, foolish, foolish move. In addition, we see that the Biden campaign is spending on ads in states that according to these pollsters, he already has locked up. So why is he spending money in battleground states? We also know that the president has canceled ad buys in certain battleground states, not because he has conceded those states, because he needs those states. So certainly if he needs them, he wouldn't cancel ad buys. He's got plenty of money. He would double down. And if he ran out of money, he'd simply go into his own pocket. No, he's canceled ad buys in certain states because those states are not in jeopardy. And if that motorcade in Florida is any indication of what's going on in Florida. There's no question about the toss-up state of Florida. I think Trump is going to carry it. Now, last time, if you recall, with Trump winning Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Ohio, even though everybody said going in he desperately needed Florida in order to win, uh, in light of those states that he picked up that blew everybody away, he could have lost Florida, and still won the election because he had well over 300 electoral votes and Florida only has 29. I think he had, what, 308 electoral votes? So even if he lost Florida, he still had more than the 270 he needed to win. I don't think Florida is in doubt this time. I think he's going, he's going to win Florida. So if he wins Florida and he wins everything that he had um, and he loses Pennsylvania... He loses 20 electoral votes, and so he still has over 300. But I think he'll win Pennsylvania. Uh, if he's anything that might be in question, it could be it could be states like um, Michigan uh, or Wisconsin. But I don't think either of those states are in play either, because it seems to me to fly in the face of any form of logic that people in states— that had been completely disenfranchised, uh, people who are now employed by the fracking industry, people who are employed by the automobile industry in Michigan, people employed in Wisconsin, people who were starving in 2016 and took a chance on a man who spoke their language and yet still had no proven record in office. I find it hard to believe that four years later, with prosperity returning to each of those states, that they are suddenly going to vote for the other half of the team of the previous administration, which put them in extremists in the first place. I just don't see it. I just don't see it. So you're being sold a bill of goods on that score. So again, some of these polls are trying to say that Biden has a 10 point lead. Some are saying he has a more than 10 point lead. The only polls that are actually reliable are the Zogby poll and the Rasmussen poll. They have the race a lot closer. Uh, they have it more along the lines of a dead heat. I don't even believe that is wholly accurate because I believe, as is as was the case in 2016, there are a lot of Trump voters who simply don't want to admit they're for Trump. And again, since 1996, the one internal question in all these polls is, That has always consistently produced uh, the correct winner uh, in these elections is the question, despite who you intend to vote for or who you say you intend to vote for and putting aside all your personal biases, who do you think is going to win the election? And over 56 or 57 percent of the people when asked that question are answering Donald Trump. So it tells me that a lot of these people that are being polled who are saying they're voting for Biden are, in fact, not voting for Biden. They're voting for Trump, and they actually believe that their neighbors are going to be voting for Trump as well. The other big question that also usually reliably predicts the winner, people are saying 56% to 42 that they are better off today than they were four years ago despite the COVID-19 pandemic. And lastly, Zogby, as of Friday, has the president at a 51% approval rating. So I'm sorry to be the one to break the news to you, uh, you folks in the Democratic Party, but incumbent presidents that have a 51% approval rating, that have 56% of the people saying they're better off than they were four years ago, and have 56 or 57% of people polled saying they believe that Trump is going to win the election, those those types of incumbents usually don't wind up losing. So, I, and, I, and I think that's going to be the case here. The only way I see any loss for President Trump is through manipulation of these mail-in ballots, which I've said before on the show, as a consequence of a joint commission uh, formed to study this issue, headed by no less than Jimmy Carter, who's hardly a conservative, and James Baker, concluded that mail-in voting was wrought with the frisk of fraud and coercion and should not be undertaken. And everyone in the Democratic side is trying to equate these mail-in ballots with absentee ballots, and they are not the same thing. I've said it before. I'm going to to keep saying it right up until Election Day. An absentee ballot is a ballot that is requested by a registered voter and is mailed to a specific address. These mail-in ballots are ballots that are just being sent out to everyone— on the registered voter list. And we know that these lists are inaccurate. They're being sent to people who have moved, who no longer live at the dress the ballot is being sent to. And it's invariably going to be either thrown out or filled out by somebody else who's living there now. And it's being filled out for dead people. There was a man in Texas who was arrested. He filled out 1,700 ballots for people that were registered to vote, but he filled them out for the candidate of his choice. This was in another election. Uh, a local election, and he was prosecuted uh, by the Justice Department. So there's a lot of risk here. Now, let me tell you what's going to happen on election evening, and I'll give you more updated information uh, as we get closer if things change. Right now, in the latest polling, 49% of Republican voters say they plan on voting in person. Only 29% of Democrat voters say they plan on voting in person. So when the votes are counted on Election Day, you're going to see a big lead for President Trump. Now, the mission that the Democrats have assigned themselves is they're somehow going to attempt to find additional votes in the following ensuing two-week period to try and offset those votes that Trump has won. Now, this has resulted in litigation in a multitude of states, which Trump is quietly winning and or is on the verge of winning, in some cases that haven't been finalized. Because when I looked and researched the rules, many of these states say that the ballots either have to be received by Election Day or have to be postmarked by Election Day. Now, I've got friends in the post office, and I know that they can manipulate postmarks. So the big fear I have is that people are going to be sitting home on Election Eve, and the votes are going to be counted, and people are going to say, oh, wow, Trump just won Pennsylvania by 30,000 votes. Let's get 35 or 40,000 in the mail right away, get them retroactively postmarked prior to the third or by the third so we can steal Pennsylvania. That's what's going to happen. And that's what makes this appointment of Judge Barrett to the court all the more imperative because I don't see any other way, if, unless this victory on Election Day is so overwhelming that they abandon this plan. I see this going to the court. Now, one of the things that Democrats are going to be asking Judge Barrett to do if she's confirmed is, will she recuse herself from any case having to do with the election, leaving the court in an 8-8 position? And we can't rely on Roberts because he'll probably defect. So we don't know how it's going to play out. Well, what is the basis for asking Judge Barrett to recuse herself? And that's the last issue I want to cover today. The basis is, well, since she's being appointed by President Donald Trump, uh, she will be beholding to President Trump. Well, if we're going to go by that reasoning, does it really matter that she's being appointed a month before the election, or does it matter that she was simply appointed by President Trump at all? Because by extension, we should now say that Judge Kavanaugh should recuse himself, because he was appointed by President Trump, and Judge Gorsuch should also recuse himself because he was appointed by President Trump. And then we can take it a step further. And since Biden was part of the Obama-Biden team that appointed Justice Kagan and Justice Sotomayor to the court, then perhaps they should recuse themselves also. And so the case will be left to be decided by Judge Breyer, by Judge Thomas, by Judge Alito, and Judge Roberts, just four justices. And we'll still have potentially a 2-2 tie if Roberts defects and goes with Breyer. So their mission, by any way, shape, or form, is to plunge the country into chaos. So Amy Coney Barrett is not going to agree to recuse herself. She's foolish if she does. I'm sure that question was already discussed uh, before she was put up for the court. There's no legal basis for her to recuse herself. There's no obligation for her to recuse herself. So if this thing goes to the Supreme Court uh, it will be decided on the merits, not because she was appointed by President Trump. And let's be real, folks. There have been documented cases where household pets have received a ballot under their name. Now, what's going to happen when all these fraudulent ballots are mailed in? And it turns out that the total number of votes between the mail-in votes and the ones that were cast in person? total a number greater than the number of registered voters. That's going to pose a bit of a mathematical problem. And any reasonable court is going to have to assign greater deference and weight to votes that were actually cast by real people in a real voting booth and also absentee ballots that were legitimately requested by people than these mail-in ballots. So any way you slice it, I think any legal challenge is going to come down on in President Trump's favor. And that's when you're gonna see that 25th Amendment thing be aimed at President Trump. But right now, I truly believe that Nancy Pelosi, as I said earlier, said that because they're looking for a way to get Biden out of there because apparently he's not going to go along with the plan of stepping down after he's elected, if he's elected, which I think is not going to happen. So that's the scoop. Following the Judge Barrett confirmation hearings very closely. We'll have more on this tomorrow and other things. Please, again, once again, subscribe to us in the iTunes App Store at NP Online or in the Google Play Store. Download the Podbean app, uh, and you can subscribe that way. And follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash National Preview Online. Until tomorrow, for National Preview Online, I'm Jamie Dury.